Hi there, it's Nikki. I wanted to take a quick minute to make sure you knew about our free on-demand copywriting training. Whether you're brand new to copywriting or you just can't seem to hit your income goals, this training is for you. You'll learn the three secrets to landing freelance copywriting work without wasting time on frustrating job bidding sites like Upwork and Fiverr or cold calling strangers. And if you've listened to any of the student stories on this podcast, this is the exact same training they all got started with. I'm talking about Kate Kay, who's making six figures working part-time and who just retired her husband to help her run the business. Stuart, who replaced his full-time salary with freelance copywriting work, and then some. Stacy, who hit six figures in six months, her very first year as a full-time freelancer. Ashley, who landed the in-house copywriting job of her dreams. They all started with this free training, and you can get started with that same training too. Sign up right now at freecopywritingtraining.com. Are you ready to learn the keys to copywriting success? My name is Nikki Krawczyk, and I've been a copywriter for more than 20 years, writing for multi-billion dollar companies down to solopreneurs and every size business in between. My co-host Kate Sitars and I, along with the rest of the Filthy Rich Writer team, are sharing everything we've learned in our decades in the industry so that you can start and scale a successful copywriting business of your own. To us, being filthy rich means having a job you love, being good at what you do, and making great money doing it. Let's dig in. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Copywriting Business Podcast. Hey there, Kate. Hello, hello. Hello. Okay, guys, we are excited today because we are going to do a, a fun little recap uh, with some of the uh, top takeaways and some of the, the biggest and most interesting moments uh, from our 2023 Summer Freelance Summit. And it's, it, by saying most interesting moments, I have to say it was very hard for us to narrow down so uh, hard. The, the event to fit into a podcast episode because this is a three-day event. Um, we have nine sessions. Um, Kate and I usually do a session or two. I think this year we had eight other expert speakers coming in talking about all different elements of of optimizing and maximizing your freelance business. So it is super exciting, free for our students, of course. Um, and it's just a great way to kind of reinvigorate uh, as uh, during the summer months. Now, here's the thing though, it's kind of always a good idea to reinvigorate, right? Always a good idea to, to get some fresh ideas. So that's why we have decided today to bring you just a smattering of highlights, a, a sprinkling of highlights um, from our presenters uh, this this past year. Yeah, it's nine hours plus, <laughs> I want to say, nine hours plus into like a 30 to 45 minute podcast episode. So CCA students, you can still access. And if you just joined or you're joining in the future, those are on your dashboard forever. And those they're such good sessions. They're not tied to a specific moment in time. So you can go back and, and watch these. Um, at, frankly, we're releasing this in the winter cozy time, get some hot cocoa, put on your summer freelance summit, which I realized for our Australian and New Zealand friends, it's really the winter freelance summit. And now it's your summer freelance summit. So it works. It works all of the ways really. Um, but those are on your dashboard. If you go to special events and then summer freelance summit, and actually you'll see past summer freelance summits as well. Um, but this one that we're talking about is from 2023. So you'll find that mm -hmm. right there on your dashboard. 
Okay. So let's dig in. Um, one of the things that, uh, freelancing students, um, I don't want to say struggle with, uh, because it's, it doesn't necessarily have to be a struggle, but one of the things that, um, students can sometimes benefit from a little perspective on. We'll put it that way. You guys all know that we have a very thorough trainings and we give you feedback on pricing, but sometimes it helps to hear it from someone else in a slightly different way. And so we brought in Shanna Skidmore to talk about uh, how pricing your services can be done in a way that works for you. She is a former Fortune 100 financial advisor turned business consultant. So check out this tip right here. If you have ever pressed send on a proposal for a potential client and immediately offered a discount or immediately were like, I mean, but I can work with you on this. Um, emotions driving decisions. This like the lack of confidence to know your pricing or how to ask for a sale. And I just want to give you a little bit of hope I don't know about you. I have a degree in finance and asking for the sale was still something I had to learn to do. We are not naturally taught how to sell our products and services. And if you grew up in the South, like me, we do not talk about money. So having these conversations was something that became very practiced. So these were the things I saw over and over and over again. And what I realized as a former Fortune 100 financial advisor, I was sitting in a room that many of us might feel quite intimidated to sit in. Who are you supposed to go to for financial advice? And this all comes from when you know why you charge what you charge, you will stop emotionally pricing. It's like going to the grocery store with milk. You're not going to roll up and be like, actually, that says $4, but could I get it for two? It's like, no, it's $4. And so if you can't, if you don't have $4, you just, you don't buy it. Right. And that's the same thing with our price. When we understand why we're charging what we are, it's so much easier to say, that's what the price is. If we need to lower the budget, let's take some stuff away. It is so hard to figure out how to price yourself. And as a service-based provider where your time is mostly what your service is made up of, it's even harder because the worst advice out there right now is charge what you're worth. I'm like, charge what you're worth. What does that even mean? And if you have ever felt that way, right there with you, because I'm like, I mean, I'm, how can you even put a dollar amount on what you're worth? So we're not going to do that. I'm going to give you real numbers that you can punch into a calculator to get your price. So I want to quickly change your mindset about price. Again, just like we talked about revenue versus profitability, it's the same here. The goal is not to raise your price. That will naturally happen. The goal is to raise your profit per client. So you want to make more money for each client. That means either it takes less time or you increase the price. However, at the end of the day, we want to make more money per client. So when you compare your price to a competitor's price, it's like, comparing apples and oranges. You don't really know what their costs are. Instead, we want to calculate prices based on our own numbers. Cost is made up of three factors, material costs, labor costs, and your time. A lot of you may not have any material costs. It might be a client gift or um, the credit card fee processing fee, 3%. People forget that all the time. You might have very small material costs, 
We need to know that just specific to the job. Labor is if you are hiring specific to a job. So if you're an event planner and you have a day of assistant, that's labor. For most of you, and the, the biggest forgotten piece is time, your time. I teach all my students. I have a business finance course called the Blueprint Mile. I teach all my students. You are two people in your business. You are the CEO and you are the employee. You are two, you are two hats. Track your time on every project for the first six months and just see how long it's taking you. Track your costs. Looking at these costs and seeing how your price compares. Like, did I price it well? Did I make profit on this? So our next speaker was Emily Reagan, uh, founder of the Unicorn Digital Marketing Assistant School. And so her session focused on uh, reasons why hiring a VA makes sense and when to do it. Um, but what I love most about this clip that we're sharing is really talking about how we can dream bigger um, and not forcing ourselves into a zone of genius that isn't our zone of genius. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, do I need a virtual assistant that's that's so far from where I am in my business? Um, but I think you'd be surprised at how much a virtual assistant can benefit you maybe even right now. When it comes to your business, the 20% that you're working on that you do is what's causing 80% of the results. And so our goal is to delegate that 80% and let somebody else do it. It's only causing 22% of our results here. So when we break this down to your freelance business and what you're doing, you need to conserve your energy and focus your task on the money makers what you do with your brain and what requires your face, only the things that you can do. So this comes down to discovery calls, client work, client meetings, recordings, visibility opportunities, and then you can outsource the other 80%, which I like to call the time-saving task, and get help when it comes to admin and filing and scheduling and inbox management, some client communication, um, all those DMs that happen, your marketing, your bookkeeping, all of that is stuff that is your goal to eventually outsource. You need a budget. You need to be making money in your freelance business in order to outsource. You need time and money, right? So start with a budget. And so your budget doesn't have to be huge, but you want to start with knowing what your number is. You need to be hiring when you start dropping balls, when things aren't getting done, when you can feel that like shame, like when you're late on a deadline, when you know that you're kind of running out of time here, um, when you're doing tasks that just aren't in your drudgery zone, you start dragging your, your feet on it. When they keep getting put at the bottom of the pile and you're not, you're not ever getting to it. Those are good tasks to start outsourcing to make sure that they get done things you're not good at, right? We don't need to force it if it's not in our zone of genius. And the biggest thing is get help before your house is on fire. And our next speaker at the Summer Freelance Summit was Helen Munchie, who is the creator of the Quiz Academy. And if you are especially astute, uh, you might have figured out that she's talking to you about why to create quizzes and why uh, a quiz can actually be an excellent way to get leads and to bring people into your orbit, to get people interested in your copywriting services and get people excited about hiring you. I found that when I was um, freelancing, especially, I got into this sort of cycle of pitch for the work, get the work, do the work, finish the work. Then the cycle starts again. I was either really busy delivering the work and bringing in the money, but then not having enough time to actually, you know, pitch for work and generate enough like leads or, you know, potential clients. Um, and it just kind of went on and on and on and on um, until I started this kind of process of really 
uh, having an automated way to bring in um, potential, to have like a list of potential clients in my business. Um, and that can sound slightly uh, impersonal um, and slightly kind of robotic, automated, um, but it's the way that it's done through a quiz. Quizzes themselves are based in um, positive psychology. So they work so much better when they're f- they're framed in a positive way. Uh, so for me, you know, if someone... If someone joins my email list um, from a place of feeling empowered and positive versus scared, the results are the same in that you've got someone on your email list, but the energy that they're going to bring to that and the way you start your relationship with them is going to be very, very different. Um, so for me, I feel like we have responsibility as marketers to make sure that we balance that messaging in a really good way. So when you're talking about what someone might be worried about or their kind of their fears you want to use just the right amount so that they know that you they can identify themselves in what you're saying and I'm sure that's a copywriting thing that is, is talked about um but not so much that you you spoil your messaging and you make it a, a bad um I guess experience for them and for you as well um so it being a positive experience for them means that you you can quickly increase your leads and you can do it in a really you can build a really genuine connection with them, um, which is, again, I think why a lot of us are in business and like freelancing and so on is that we want to have, um, you know, we want to be able to have a genuine relationship with the people that we're working with. You know, they are our colleagues, if you like. There are, you know, our um, people that we work with. So we want to have a good relationship with them. Um, and it also, you know, it helps you stand out in a really noisy online world and I know that um again Nikki's not advocating that you go onto Fiverr and you go onto all these marketplaces and you know kind of get drowned out that's not something that um I think we're looking at doing but you need to be able to stand out in the rest of the online world you know it is busy out there it is noisy out there and so our next speaker, uh, Megan Sumrall, is a former corporate executive turned entrepreneur, and she is also the creator of the Top Program and Plant Top Planner, uh, that's T-O-P. And so in this session, she talked about how to stop procrastinating, um, but that there are two types of procrastinators, destructive and productive. And so I am definitely a productive procrastinator, you know, one of those people that starts like doing laundry when you really should be sending pitches or something like that. So you're like getting stuff done, but it's the wrong things, or even within your business if you're like, I'm designing a logo, but it's not actually going to help move your business forward, those sorts of things. So she, uh, in this clip, is going to go over one of the many tools that she shared uh, during this session, and hopefully it'll help you with your procrastination. So there's two types of procrastination, and then the tools that we're going to walk through help with both types. So the first one is destructive procrastination, all right? destructive procrastination, this typically hits for those things that feel scary or hard, because that's when our anxiety triggers the most. When we really go into fight or flight mode or freeze mode and destructive procrastination is when we shut down and do nothing, right? We just, we walk away. We're like, I'm out of here. Now, this is the one that most people think about when they think about procrastination. But I will tell you, as a as a business owner, I mean, I'm a freelancer of sorts. Um, the productive procrastination is the one that sneaks in and gets you the most. Productive procrastination hits a lot when it's the I don't want to's. All right, or maybe you are a highly productive person and you've got your running list of things to do, and the first thing you look at, you're like, I don't want to do that. 
So you avoid it, but you start moving down your task list and doing a bunch of other things that are seemingly productive. And then usually what happens when you are a regular productive procrastinator is you end your day exhausted. You're like, man, I am whooped. You're like, but I didn't get anything really of value done today, right? That's a sign that you are a productive procrastinator. So the first tool is learning how to take those scary or daunting tasks and actually break them down into much smaller, meaningful, less scary bite-sized chunks to get done. All right, so perfect example for this. Let's say I dumped all these puzzle pieces out on the table. You had no picture, you had no nothing. I'm like, hey, go do this puzzle. I would just walk by it and be like, "Eh, (laughs) no, thanks. So I would probably go into, well, this one, I could go into either form of procrastination. I might just shut down depending upon how big that looked, or I might choose to go on and do something else instead. But let's say instead I said, hey, these pieces just all fit together. Could you just go put these together? Now, suddenly that doesn't look so bad right? Because we've got a much smaller, less scary thing to look at. So there's two strategies that we can go through when we're looking at something that feels really daunting to help us get it into smaller tasks. Now, the first one is that is typically used for a type of project where there are clear cut steps that we know that we could go through. All right. So this is what I call creating work chunks. All right. So there's kind of a a quick four step thing that we can go through here. So the first step in this, and I love to do this either with sticky notes and a blank wall, or if you use Trello, Trello is another great place to do this. And I will just rapid fire brainstorm everything that I could think of that would need to get done in order for this big project to get completed. All right. So if I'm thinking about the puzzle, I might be like, oh, I might want to, you know, separate edges from insides, or maybe I want need to flip the pieces all over. Maybe I want to group them into colors. Maybe I need to get a picture of it. Right. And the key to this step number one is not stressing out about the order that you need to do it. So most people intrinsically know, yeah, of course I need to break this down. But where they get stuck is they keep overthinking this part because they think that the breaking it down process needs to be done in chronological order. It doesn't. And so when you give yourself that freedom to just let it go, brainstorm it all. And this is why I love using post-it notes, one idea on post-it note. Then once you've done that, and usually I'll set a timer for 10 minutes, like don't overthink this, just get as much out in 10 minutes as you can. Now you get to come back to it and say, okay, what makes sense in an order? And that's why I like post-it notes, because now I can start moving them all around on my wall. Like, well, it probably makes sense to do this before that, this before that. And again, we don't have to get it perfect, but we just want to start to see where's a good place to start. Now I will just look at the first two items only. What were the first two tasks that are work chunks that I think make sense? And now I'm going to ask myself, do, can I get these down to be less than one hour of work? All right. So maybe with the puzzle, let's say I'm doing like a 5,000 piece puzzle and I realize, oh gosh, sorting all of that might take more than an hour. So then maybe I say, well, what if I just dump a quarter of the pieces out and sort those? I could get that done in one hour. And now I've got a small chunk to work with. 
So always try and get those first things to help get you into motion to be less than an hour. Now, the final step here is a really important one. Now you're actually going to go to your calendar, not a task list, not a scrap piece of paper, and you're going to look at and pick a date and time to do that first chunk. So again, not a task, but an actual appointment. So now you might look at your calendar and say, well, today and tomorrow are looking pretty full, but hey, Thursday at two o'clock, I'm creating an appointment on my calendar and I'm going to label it that this is my work chunk to get this specific thing done. All right. So whenever things are feeling overwhelming, now suddenly you've got a small little thing to do and a specific date to do it. And next up is Emma Kate Barker, who's talking about features on your professional portfolio site that you need to have that you might not have. Also, some great ideas for things to add that can just make your website even better and more compelling. An opt-in incentive. So also known as a lead magnet, this is a free thing you offer your website visitors in exchange for their email address. Typically, it's a PDF download, such as a checklist, a cheat sheet, workbook, or ebook. And your lead magnet should be irresistible to your dream clients, and therefore, it must solve a problem for them. So, why is it important? Capturing email addresses from your website visitors also means you can follow up with them, continue connecting with them, and nurturing them into becoming paying customers. Because stats show that 97% of website visitors aren't ready to buy and 33% will leave a website to research competitors. So if you're not already capturing your visitors' emails, then now's the time to start. Adding an opt-in to your website doesn't have to be crazy hard either. All you'll need is a CRM or email marketing platform like ConvertKit or Drip, ActiveCampaign or MailerLite. MailerLite has a free plan to get started. So it's a really good one for beginners if you're just getting started and don't need something super fancy. And you'll also need an opt-in incentive. So that's like a free thing, a downloadable checklist perhaps, or cheat sheet or workbook that solves a problem for your ideal client. And so the next session was another pricing session because we know there's a lot to dig into on pricing. And so this was talking about profitable pricing. Uh, this was led by Jackie Ellis, who is a digital marketing strategist uh, who helps busy online entrepreneurs grow profitable, joyful businesses through killer copywriting and marketing. Uh, she's wonderful. And the clips from this uh, talk about the hidden costs you're not accounting for, which is one of the biggest ways that we see copywriters and freelancers in general not hitting their income goals because there's things that you are not putting into your project pricing or even frankly your hourly if you're doing hourly. So this was one of Jackie's many, many helpful tips and um, use it starting now. I am not going to show you how to increase your prices. Okay. I am really old school about this. I think you have to earn the right to increase your prices. Okay. So we're not just talking about raising prices just for the heck of it. I am not going to show you how to charge your worth. This is another thing that gets me all hot, all hot, because there is no way that anyone here could ever charge their worth. You can charge what you need to, to pay your bills, to be comfortable, to be profitable, to be rich, but you could never charge your worth. I'm not going to show you how to make a million dollars working just one hour a day. This is just 
it really comes down to simple math. Okay. Now I use the term profitable pricing, and this is really what it means. It means that your pricing is reasonable. It's not overinflated. It is not just based on what other people are charging. I've fallen into this, into this temptation too, where you hear what other people are charging and you're like, oh, well, if that's the going rate, I should just charge that too. That's not really a good basis for, for pricing, in my opinion. Um, profitable pricing, it allows you to grow your business. Think about all the things that you can do when you have profit, meaning, I mean, let's just quickly define profit. It's money that's left over after you've paid expenses and taxes and that sort of thing, right? That is money that maybe you are using to pay yourself or save or grow your business. All the things that you can do with that money, you could um, further your own education, you know, up-level your skills, hire a VA hire a junior copywriter, hire another designer, you know, grow your team. But most importantly, I think it allows you the flexibility, the income, the margin to be able to grow your business so that you can provide better service. And when you provide better service, you get better clients and then you've earned the right to charge more. And it just kind of snowballs from there. Okay. So before we get into the math, I'm going to save that kind of for the middle. I want to talk about the hidden costs of clients. Okay. These are the things that we don't consider when we are talking about project-based work. But a lot of times we think, okay, if I'm going to write a sales page or if I'm going to design a website, this is how much time I'm going to put into that specific project. Therefore, this is what I think I should charge. But you guys, there's so many other um, elements involved. Okay. I want you to think about it. How much time and energy are you spending on client work outside of the actual project itself? Right. If you're writing a sales page, how much time are you spending doing other things besides just writing or researching? You want to be compensated for that. Not only that, but at some point, probably you don't want to be the only person doing that work. You might want to hire a junior. A, a VA, someone that's doing that, and you're going to have to pay them. Newsflash, <laughs> you're going to have to pay them. You have to, maybe for ourselves, I don't know why we're so willing to do this. We eat we eat that time, right? We're just like, oh, we're getting paid. You know, We're not accounting for all the time that we're working. But when you start paying someone else, I guarantee you, you will, you will start accounting for that time. So here's some examples of ways that we spend time that should be compensated for discovery call. I know that sounds kind of funny because you haven't even started working with the client yet, but that's your time. Creating a proposal or an invoice, setting up your project. We use um, ClickUp for our project management, but it's still, and everything's templated, but it still takes time to import the client in there, map it out, assign it, that sort of thing. Sharing account information. I have an ad agency, right? So we have to get access to the client's Facebook ad account, to their CRM, to their landing page software, to their website, all of the things that takes time. Doing audits, doing an onboarding call if you're going to do that, or research calls or, or any kind of calls. Um, outsourcing costs you money. Maybe you're not going to do it all yourself. Um, again, project management, doing research, communication. I I. I'm willing to bet that 
the majority, I'd say 99% of the people on this call are not accounting for email or Slack communication in the time that you are spending doing work. Okay. And that takes time, meetings and reporting. Okay. All of these things are things that when we think about creating our package, our pricing for this particular offer or this particular client, are you accounting for these things as well? Not to mention, or not to forget, we also do a new client welcome gift. We sometimes provide a project report or a wrap-up or a thank you gift. And then we also do referral gifts and kickbacks. And those might be like a little bit more advanced strategies to implement, but you don't ever want these to come out of your pocket, right? You want to have enough cushion um, in your pricing to be able to provide these. Um, they're just, they're little things, but they really do um, make a difference. Now, one of the things that I know we all face at different ways in our careers are money blocks, unconscious thoughts that keep us from getting to the next level in our income. And no, this is not just woo-woo, magical thinking kinds of things. These are beliefs that we have that actually get in the way of us taking the action that we need to take. So Jess Keating is going to talk a bit about some of these unconscious thoughts and how we can start recognizing them and overcoming them. So in my work, I call this like the money ecosystem that we're building, both within our businesses, but we also have a money ecosystem in our bodies. So because our body is literally scanning for danger every four freaking seconds. Anytime you have an insight or a piece of awareness or a strategy or step that you want to take to grow your business, I guarantee you, if it's new, your body is going to say, no, no, don't do that though. Right? I want to implement this funnel. I want to pitch this client. I want to do all these things. Your body will be like, nope, 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 nope. And the one thing that I often see people doing is they try to enforce willpower, right? They want to use motivation. They want to use their willpower. Motivation and willpower are cheap, my friends. You do not want to be leaning on those things. You will have it for like five seconds, maybe between like 9.30 and 10 in the morning. Then you're toast. I see people nodding like, this is just not the way you want to do it. So what you want to remind yourself is that th these systems are here to protect you, right? All of this physiological resistance that you feel is actually not the enemy. That's really the first step is reminding yourself, I am alive because of these biological systems that keep me safe, right? So don't hate on your body. Don't hate on your self-sabotage. I always hear people like, oh, how can I beat my resistance? It's like, don't. Your resistance is beautiful. It keeps you alive every day. It keeps you from walking into traffic, right? So it is the same thing going on here. But once we remember that a crappy, familiar money reality is going to feel safer to you than an unfamiliar, wealthy reality, that is when things will start to shift. And I actually have this twice. I don't repeat it myself a lot in here, but I want you to really embody this for a second. Ask yourself, like, does this feel true to me? Because even if it doesn't, it is. And you can almost look at your own trajectory because we are, as humans, what we repeat. Okay, so a crap reality today that I that you might have or that I might have is going to feel safer than an unfamiliar, amazingly glorious and wealthy reality. So, as I said, the mechanics of money are not complicated. We have to, you know, there's a few stages and yes, there's all sorts of variation here, but that's where 
this work matters so much because who's to say what's right for you, right? If you don't find your individual blocks at these different stages, you're just going to take on anything and wonder why it doesn't feel good, right? So you've got to first make the thing, right? Whether it's, um, you know, pitching a client, the actual piece of copywriting work that you're working on, you've got to dream up the business that you're trying to create here. Then you have to create the business structure to support the thing. Then you need to, my favorite part, show up and be present and sell the thing. And when we're doing that as creatives, it's also worth noting, you're not just selling like a business thing. As a freelancer, you're selling something you value. And I don't just mean like, here's the thing I value. I mean, it matters to you. That is why business as a creative is not just business as usual. We are working on something that matters to us. You know, and it's one thing to keep, yes, you want to protect your gold, you want to protect your heart. But there comes a point where you have to basically like plant your flag and say, I'm doing this world. Here's what I'm doing. And you can, when you think of it like that, you can see how much self-trust is needed, right? Because when you're doing that, you're also saying, I trust myself to be able to handle whatever the heck comes my way now that people can see that I'm gutsy enough to want to make money doing this skill, right? So the first thing I want you to remember is that awareness is your best friend. Okay. And this is one of those things where it is very easy to overcomplicate. And, you know, I get a lot of people that come to me and like, they're like, help me bust the blocks that I have and like all these things. The minute you get awareness on it, think of it like a spotlight, right? Like if you've got a spotlight, you're going around in your subconscious. The minute you feel that ping, your spotlight's on it already. That honestly is enough. That is enough to start shaking this process and kind of loosening that inner behavior that you've got. So from there, you just have to excavate what your body believes. And the easiest way to know this, and we'll move to this in a second, is when you're looking at these different stages of like building your business and running your business, when do you tighten up? Like, what is it that actually, you know, if you have no problem making portfolio pieces or, you know, working on a website or whatever, where is the like, the gap? Where is that kind of bridge too far where you're like, oh, I'll just, I'll procrastinate it instead, right? Those are those situations that you kind of want to ask yourself, okay, what can I do to make this conscious? And so our last clip, uh, frankly, because spoiler, Nikki and I did do a session called uh, 30 Days to 2K. CCA students, you have access to that in your dashboard with a whole workbook on how to hit, surprise, 2K in 30 days. And obviously, if you're already making more than that, the goal is to hit, uh, make, UK more than what you're currently making. Um, so definitely check that session out. Um, and so our last clip uh, today on this podcast is Tara Bianca, who has been a holistic health practitioner for 20 years. She's the owner of Be Light Transformative Therapy. And in this clip, she's uh, going over one breathing exercise that you can do. They're mini breath holds um, to really calm your nerves before client calls, uh, frankly, after client calls, uh, but she went over a few different breathing exercises during the session, but this is just one of them we wanted to share with you here. This is a really nice exercise that's good across the board for everybody. The purpose of this exercise is to calm the nervous system and calm the mind. Where your physiology goes, your mind will follow. So I wanted to make sure you guys have um, ways of applying this in your workday. So when would you apply this? These mini breath holds are a great quick thing that you can do for maybe three to five minutes between meetings. They're a really nice reset for the body and for the mind. These are great as a recovery after talking or presenting for a long time. So this is something I might do when I get off of this talk today, right? When we talk a lot, we tend to not regulate our breathing so well, and we can be really tired after talking all day. This is a nice recovery breath. 
Whenever your mind starts racing in a million different directions, this helps you again to get back into your body and get out of the racing thoughts. Um, it also helps you to get into present moment awareness. Okay, so this first exercise is called mini breath holds. I'm gonna demo it one time and then we'll practice it together for about two or three minutes. Uh, so don't freak out if the first couple, you don't get them right. This is not about perfection. This is about exploration today, right? It's a first exposure. Just keep moving along with me and eventually you'll get it. So the way we do this is you're going to take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. What's a normal quiet breath? It looks like this. So no big deal. No, right? No big gasping breaths, really quiet in, out. You're going to pinch your nose. We're going to hold for five, four, three, two, one, you're gonna release your nose, keep your lips closed, and we're gonna do two quiet, gentle breaths together. I'll count for us so that we stay on the same page. We're gonna repeat this for about two or three minutes. So you ready to give it a try? Here we go. You're gonna take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. You're gonna pinch your nose and hold after the exhale. Good, holding for five, four, three, two, one. Keep your lips closed, release your nose, and take a nice, slow, gentle breath in through your nose. Feel it deepen into your lungs. And then take a nice slow breath out through your nose. Good. And one more breath like that. Take a nice slow breath in through your nose. Good. And take a nice slow exhale out through your nose. And we'll do another mini breath hold. Take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. Pinch your nose and hold. Hold for five, four, three, two, one. Release your nose. Keep your lips closed and breathing in. Feel the breath traveling deep into your lungs. You can use some imagery if it helps you. And exhaling out slowly through your nose. And as you exhale, see if you can relax your shoulders more, breathing in through your nose. Good. And breathing out through your nose, making sure those shoulders are down away from the ears. Good. Let's do another breath hold. Take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. Pinch your nose and hold. Hold for five, four, Three, two, one, release your nose and breathing in right away, slowly, deeply, quietly, no big deal. And exhale out through your nose slowly and quietly. And breathe in through your nose slowly and quietly. And breathe out through your nose slowly and quietly. Let's do three more of these. So take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose, pinch your nose and hold. Hold for five, four, three, two, one. Release your nose right away. Breathing in slowly, gently, quietly through your nose. And exhaling out slowly and quietly. Good. And breathing in slowly and quietly. And exhaling out slowly and quietly. We'll do two more of these mini breath holds. Take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. Pinch your nose and hold. Hold for five, four, three, two, one. Release your nose and breathing in quietly, gently, softly. And breathing out quietly, gently, softly. And breathing in quietly, gently, and softly. And breathing out quietly, gently, softly. Let's do one more mini breath hold. Take a normal quiet breath in and out through your nose. Pinch your nose and hold. Hold for five, four, three, two, one. Release your nose. 
two breaths, breathing in softly, quietly, gently through your nose. And exhaling out softly, quietly, and gently. And breathing in softly, quietly, gently. Good. And breathing out softly, quietly, gently. Great. Okay, and take a little break. So there you have it. Again, these are just tiny little clips of the full nine hours of uh, learning that we did in this past summer's Summer Freelance Summit. So again, CCA students, we encourage you to go in and watch any sessions, or even if you were there with us, go back uh, for a refresher. You know that you always have access to them. But we were hoping to do today was just maybe give you uh, a, a little bit of inspiration, uh, a couple of tips to to put into effect right away. So with that, we'll catch you in the next episode. Bye, everybody. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Build Your Copywriting Business podcast so you never miss any copywriting tips, tools, or tactics. And if you think copywriting might be right for you, check out our free on-demand video training at freecopywritingtraining.com. We'll catch you in the next episode.